Hola, listeners. Welcome to the Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I'm Whitney. And I'm Heather. Out of 20 possibilities, we rolled up The Wicked and the Divine, Volume 1, The Faust Act, Issues 1 through 5, by writer Kieran Gillen and artist Jamie McKelvey, for our adventure again today. Again and again and again and again, it feels like. This episode has as many personalities as... uh, the Morgan. The Morgan. <laughs> it was, her name just like left me. I was going to be like Minerva. And I was like, wrong M God. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into how they show the Morgan, how they depict the Morgan. Um, we also rolled up drinks. Heather rolled up a Diet Dr. Pepper. And I'm having a glass of red, red wine. So stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing so, some practical effects. I like it. Instead of some musicals. Hopefully we can get some musicals in here. Whitney's having to relearn how to do some editing and show stuff. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a very long while. I think it's been six or seven months. I know it was cold outside last time we recorded. But it's always cold in Tennessee at some point. Well... <laughs> It's <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to have to like dust off some cobwebs, yeah. figure out how to do this thing again. Hopefully you guys are still around. Hello, hello, viewers. Or listeners. Viewers. I mean, I guess they can stare at our picture on Facebook while they listen to us if they choose. That would be so weird. <laughs> Do any of you all do that? If you do, write us in. We're going to send you a pen. <laughs> P-I-N lapel pen. Oh, yes. How do you say yes. that? Pen. That's the correct yes. way? I say pen, and people don't think I'm saying it correctly. I think they get pen, the lapel, confused with a pen that you write with, because all of us say pen that you write with like a pen. Um, I think it's a southern thing, or yeah. is it a East Tennessee thing? or A little bit of both, I think. A little think. bit of both. Yeah. Uh, this book is fantastic. It is fantastic. And we hope this time we tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) I can honestly say that I was introduced to this book by our late, dear, sweet Amber. Yeah. And if she heard me say sweet, she'd punch me in the... Yeah. She'd kick you. She'd punch or kick or something. So I'm going to say sweet just to get her all riled up and maybe we can get a haunting later or something. Wouldn't that be fun? I would love that. (laughs) We we want to say hi. So hi, Amber, out there. This one is for you, darling. So we're going to cheers. Cheers to Amber. Yep. And... That was not a satisfying clink at all. (laughs) It wasn't a clink because, you know, plastic and whatever. But yeah. So um, I have a few little notes. About the Wicked and Divine, but this is kind of your book, so do you want to lead the charge? I think this was, at one point, this was your pick. I don't know when, how, or why, but I do know that we rolled and you picked it. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, I picked this book because I really enjoy mythology, and there are so many different mythologies out there, and this book does a really great job of taking 
the gods and goddesses from multiple pantheons from around the world and treating them with a sense of equality. And so it's not that like Greek gods or Roman gods are superior to like other gods from aeons gone by. Like they're all here present in the same situation as each other. And I just think that's really cool that all of the different pantheons are intersecting in this book. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we have Japan, mm-hmm. we have Greece, we have Egypt, we have Africa, we have, what else do we have? Um, in some of the past uh, reoccurrences, I know that they pull in some South American gods, but I don't think this occurrence has any yet. And there might, I think, uh, is uh, Amaratsu or... I want to apologize right up front. Uh, I am very mutt, and I don't know the pronunciations very well, and I've looked up a lot of the pronunciations, but I still have this weird twang, and I don't hear things correctly. In my brain, I say Amaratsu when I read. Okay, cool. Even if I'm not saying it correctly in my brain. So, uh, we are talking about... We are talking about that she was Japanese, right? Is a Japanese god. But um, one of them is... Like Sumerian, ancient Sumerian, mm-hmm. or Sir- is that Sumerian? Baal? It might be Baal, ba- yeah. Baal, 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 Baal. Yes. From and he is that was my southern drawl uh, coming out. Baal, Baal, <laughs> y'all. It's Baal, y'all. Um, <laughs> so it's Baal, y'all. Um, of Hadad, yes. Hadad, Hadad, Hadad. Yeah. And I learned that there were many different incarnations of Baal. Yes. I didn't know that. He even in the book says, oh, you have me mixed up with this other version of myself. Haddon? Haddon, yes. Baal of Haddon. That's who Cassandra was saying that she'd gotten it narrowed down. She thinks this is him. And then he bombs in on them and is like, well, and they accuse him of of committing an act of murder with fire and he's like no no no, that's this other ball i'm Mm. lightning ball yeah and i love that he's lightning yeah so your favorite component about all this is the the mythology and you really being into mythology and you because you also are a literature major so did you do any like did your did any of the literature did you cover odyssey or anything like that We covered Odyssey in high school, and unfortunately, a lot of mythology courses now fall under Latin major minors. Um, There's there's some mythology in literature studies, but it's mixed in with like fairy tales and um, tall tales. So I didn't get to take a lot of mythology courses. I got to take one, and we went through like the standard, you know, like Greek pantheon, and that was about it. So this book really introduced me to a lot of pantheons that I had not previously encountered, which was that's exciting. Yeah, well, and and I don't I don't think that Western education does a good job of educating much more beyond the classical Greek Roman. So encountering all of these was really exciting for me because I have students that get really into those Greek and Roman mythologies in school, and I can be like, well, if you like those. I can't tell you to read this book because there's occasionally like crude language, but you should go read this book. Not only is there crude language, but this stupid state of Tennessee, didn't we just pass the something that affects you and literature? Uh, I know a few years ago I had to, um, I had to start sending like 
a letter home to parents that stated that we might encounter religion in world literature, but I haven't kept up on very recent legislation. I don't know if it's been, I, I know it passed. It voted to pass, okay. but I don't know if it voted to be enacted. Yeah. Um, that shows you just how little uh, <laughs> civil liberties I quite understand. We're doing the language. a great job <laughs> focusing on our own. <laughs> well, so the reason why I say yeah. this is because the state of Tennessee recently passed, at least to consider if not put into effect, yeah. that teachers have to uh, um, lit, like anyone in the in our school system has to lit the parents know if there's going to be trans information presented in a novel. Oh, I did not in hear a reading about this. subject matter. It's for the whole state. Oh wow! And I, I it was I believe it was the house. Okay, hopefully so, it doesn't go further. Yeah, uh, yeah, but um, I thought that it had been put into place, so I'm glad to know that it's not official yet, official, official, but it did vote, it did pass the first body, group oh, of body. Man, I'm going to have to go start curating lists of trans books now, just so that I can send letters home all the time and ruffle feathers. But you do this already, and I guess that's kind of what I want to point it out, is I was, I was saying all this to give you a pat on the back, and to, to tell you, because you have a very open, you're very inclusive with mm-hmm. all of your reading list and the authors that you pick you're very very aware of that and this book does such a tremendous job of being inclusive it has we have trans characters in here Mm -hmm. we have uh, gender fluid we have cross-dressing we have people who just don't give a fuck yeah and it's amazing well and and several characters even like call out other characters for not being considerate of inclusivity and I really like, like, um, Lucifer in the book makes a dig at Cassandra and Cassandra's gender. And later Cassandra calls Lucifer on it. And Lucifer's like, yeah, that wasn't cool of me. Actually, since I just read it again, <laughs> uh, Lucifer just says straight up, yo, I was a bitch. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Cassandra. And she's like, I, I'm not accepting your apology, <laughs> which I also like that because I feel like, just because I apologize for being mm-hmm. an ass and stepping on toes or being a rude person does not mean that the other person has to accept the oh, apology. absolutely. And I, I love that fierceness that Cassandra mm-hmm. represents there and the way that she, she kind of takes her platform and makes it her own and says, no, sorry, I'm not, I'm not bending over just because you said sorry. And I like that. Yeah. I thought that was really cool of Cassandra. Cool of, cool of Lucy to say, yo, sorry. But also super cool of Cassandra to be like, I'm not accepting your apology. I don't think you mean it. Yeah. I think more people should should stand firm on that when they have been wronged. Especially when someone's personality, like person's identity has been wronged in that way. Absolutely. And I think that we see, so like Laura, our protagonist in The Wicked and the Vine, she is the ultimate fangirl. And I think that she does a really good job of like, Internally, you can see her internal struggle, mm-hmm. struggle, like the way that they do the dialogue boxes. So you can clearly see when it's something that's being said aloud because it's got the little triangle at yes. the bottom of it. Or if it's just a square, it's the she's it's an inclusive mm-hmm. thought. She's having it within herself. Yes, and that happens a lot at the beginning and ends of each internal issue in the graphic novel. Yeah, and her like just talking to herself and her having to convince herself to be brave or convince herself to be strong or convince herself to not be extremely stupid. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of interesting to watch her go through those changes. And her 
to say, you've got to say something, you've got to say something, you've got to say something. And then standing up for said something or mm-hmm. doing something or standing up for herself or Lucy, whoever it is. Um, I, I, I like that we see that struggle constantly. One of the moments that I found to be most poignant and telling is actually after she had gotten arrested. Ooh, and Laura gets arrested the first time for being down the Morgan yes. tunnel. And her parents and her are obviously having, like, a screaming match about it. It's in England, so they're having a row. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we don't we don't actually get to hear anything that her parents say to her, but we see her internal thoughts in this moment. And she says, I'm paying more attention to what they say than it appears. I'm saying things I don't mean. I regret this already. I regret you, reader, seeing this. Uh, But then she says, I wish they would stop me. I wish they were angrier. I wish they would judge me more. And as a parent, that scene was really touching to me because, like, I have to discipline my three-year-old all the time. And I'm always worried that, like, I'm being too mean or that he's going to think the punishment is too harsh. And here we have this, this... very self-aware, almost adult, 17-year-old saying, actually, I wish my parents had come down harder on me. Well, and I, I want to point out um, that it is a biracial couple. Mm-hmm. She is, or it is a it, an interracial couple, and she is biracial. Yes. And they're lovely. They're amazing. Like, we just see them as, I don't know how amazing they are as parents necessarily, but she's clean. She's well-fed. She's got a good mm-hmm. head on her shoulders. She's in college. They're paying for it. Like, yeah. it, it seems as though they're, they're paying for it. They're very trusting of her. It's a normal family. You've got family portraits, a collage mm-hmm. of family portraits on the wall behind them where they're obviously a unit that, that they love each other and they have each other. And she's this twisted little goth princess and i love it <laughs> i love well, it the she's... only time we see her parents they are in this family room so yeah, and we see them a few times in that room so it, it almost feels like fam like being a family unit is very valuable and important to them so i think i think that tells us a lot and the fact that she's a little goth princess like makes it that much more awesome that she's like i mean i'm calling her goth princess but that's because she's like heavy in the black Heavy, heavy, heavy in the black. She's got the dip dye green. She's her her jewelry's a choker. It's all black lace and combat boots. She and, does a lot of black heavy makeup mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. Uh, like a lot of the gods and goddesses that have been in this reincarnation or this reoccurrence, because mm-hmm. um, they call each series a reoccurrence. Yes. You know what? I think we just dove right into the middle. Should we just? Give them like a basics, a basic synopsis of what this is. Yeah. So. You're good at synopsis. Every. Is that right? Did I say yeah. that right, English teacher? Yes. yes. Every 90 years, 12 gods are reincarnated into the existing bodies of young people. And so these are young people who basically give themselves over to being this god and our main character... They don't have a choice. No, they really don't. But our main character wants to be one so badly. She she says so many times that she wishes she were one of them. And instead, she just kind of like 
follows them around in hopes of, of getting a small taste of what they have. But the catch, the catch to being turned into one of these gods is that after two years, you die. And as we see very quickly in this book, some gods die sooner than others due to the choices they make while they are gods. And so this book is starting at the beginning of this two-year cycle uh, after the last reoccurrence 90 years ago. So the last reoccurrence was 1923. Mm -hmm. And we... The first page is essentially we see the last of the four the four gods that are remaining. Yes. And they are T.S. Eliot. They are who else are they? Uh, there was a Hollywood film actress that was really popular that we see has made it to the end. Um I don't know who they are. Uh, yeah, it, we, we, I'm sure that the, like they don't, so the, the trick to this book and why I also find it really interesting is because they never really tell you who people are. They do eventually tell you in this 2014 reoccurrence mm -hmm. who everyone is within the story, but they, they try to let you kind of figure it out. Yes. And Sometimes the the person we see because we see Lucy's transformation. Mm -hmm. We actually watch Lucifer fall yes. from heaven, and it's really fucking wicked the and way we, they do we that. We see the transformation of her, her becoming like from who whoever she the was, body was, the, the body, teenager. and like the clothes change, the hair change, even like her mannerisms change. And when she lands as Lucifer, she is a different person. Okay, so it says it's Amaterasu, Amaterasu, Terasu. It's Amaterasu, E M A T E R A U C or A S U. Okay, Amaterasu, Amaterasu, Amaterasu. Okay, Susanu, Amanra, and Minerva are the last four. Yes. But it doesn't tell us who the, they are. No. We know it's T.S. Eliot, a 1920s flapper Hollywood era mm -hmm. actress. Yes. Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald was one in the last reoccurrence. Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple. It was Shirley Temple, yes. right? I believe yes. so. I think it, you're correct. Um... Because it, it ta they take over the bodies of, like... So, the, the 2014 are... They're... Normal people, and they're also pop stars. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think we haven't seen Tara yet, or Tara yet. Right. But I think that Tara is probably already like was a pop star person and yes. has been transformed into. Well, and a lot of the a lot of the characters are drawn as current famous pop stars or current famous. Your favorite was Sockmet. Yes, looks so much like Rihanna. She does. So it's crazy. And then Lucifer looks like who is the chick who plays in Orange and the New Black? I know who Rose. You're, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I cannot remember the actress's name. I swear it looks just like her. It's insane. Uh, one one thing that I enjoy about this book, this is outside of the story itself, but it's how the artist has set up the story. Is at the beginning of each page. 
it gives you almost like a clock. Like the current reoccurrence. Yes, the current reoccurrence. And each character has a symbol in each clock position, 1 through 12. And each symbol is indicative of their current state. So when we see the occurrence in 1923, there are four symbols for the four gods remaining. And everyone else is a skull because they have passed on. Right. And when we have the new occurrence happening... We, and I just want to point out their teeth and the, like the skull, like very vampiric. Yes. And we have the new occurrence happening and there are gaps at the beginning of this book. So there are places on this clock image that have not been filled in yet because those are gods who have not yet made themselves known. And there's a skull, but it's not the skull skull it's obviously the morrigan because it's a skull with, with the, the the wings in between yes with the bird yeah um but then like when lucy goes to jail later on on top of her symbol jail bars are placed so you pointed that out to me and mm -hmm. it blew my brains and i was like that is such a fun mechanic mm -hmm. like i saw i saw the gods and i saw the three missing so i knew there were three that we hadn't been introduced to yet but I didn't understand. I didn't see the bars. Like, I didn't notice that little nuance. Well, so that and was fun. so when we look at the 1923 occurrence to now, we see Minerva's owl. Because mm -hmm. we know she's made it. And here's Minerva's owl again. But it's a different Minerva. It's a different Minerva. So the owl is slightly different. But we can also see that none of the current existing gods survived all the way to the end of their last occurrence. Like, something took them out beforehand. And so... We know from the Wikipedia, and we, I know we want to talk more about the Wikipedia in a moment, but we know from the Wikipedia that certain gods typically reoccur almost every time or often. And we know that sometimes it's, it's like luck of the draw of random, which god gets to have their time on Earth again. Well, because two of the four remaining are, have reincarnated. Mm -hmm. um, Minerva, I want to talk about Minerva for a second because uh, Minerva is in this reoccurrence is 12 yeah very young child that makes me a little angry and kind of kind of puts into the play so part of what i wanted to talk about just in general is how two things one laura's the ultimate fangirl and i i love like we could do a deep dive just into the fangirl moments. Mm -hmm. I think we have lots of stories that we each could talk about how we've had our own fangirl moments. So to see her going through this is very refreshing. It's very fun. But I also like uh, the whole component of half of the world believes them. Half the world thinks this is a marketing gimmick. Yes. And the half of the world that thinks it's a marketing gimmick is extremely judgy, mm -hmm. very negative. It could be, I really probably think it's probably a higher number than 50%. Like, I think mm -hmm. it's m more people disagree than agree. Yes. And I, I find that part very interesting because that's how we feel here in the South, being people who don't have typical spiritual feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a practicing witch. And a, I think you're practicing flavor of the day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, I know that Buddhism is very it's prominent a on your heart. Story. And yeah. I know that, that there are a lot of principles from several different things that, that help guide you. And mm -hmm. you are just a cool person. So it's just, 
it's really hard to read this and hear like the trash talk about Lucy or Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Hear them say that she's just a nobody or she's just, this is just her doing this. She's just mm -hmm. wanting attention. She's just a liar. She's just a liar. Just yeah, automatically. That stood out to me she's so just strong. a liar. She just lies. She just lies all the time. And it's really hard to like, to hear that. And people blame things. The reason we have the pantheons in the first place is because people needed to assign the bad things that happen in the world to gods. And the and good goddesses. things. And the good things. You're completely correct. They, they thought that there was something more than them. Yeah, they needed gods and goddesses to make reason out of the things that happened in life around them. And so, did you ever read Once Upon a Time or watch Once Upon a Time? Yes. Do you remember Hook's hand? Yes. That's what this made me feel. Yeah. Like, he, he, Mr. Gold had his hand in the jar, and you, mm -hmm. he got his hand back, and he was like, but don't let this hand rule your life now, and got all up in his head, and then he made a terrible decision, and then got the hand taken back away, and got the hook, and then found out he was just, he was doing it to himself. Yeah. And I just, that was really, that, that kind of put this whole thing in perspective. Like Cassandra's being so angry about the gods when she's got a, a student loan's worth of knowledge about them, she says. One thing that interests me most about Cassandra's character is that her name is Cassandra, mm -hmm. who is also a character from mythology who was cursed to only ever speak the truth and have no one ever believe her. And so we as the readers see these Pantheon events playing out. We see the powers that they're using. And Cassandra keeps vehemently denying, like, this can't possibly be happening. These are special effects. This is a good PR stunt. None of this is real. And yet we, the reader, are seeing it. And I have to wonder how much of her mythological character, Cassandra, will come into play later in the series or if that name just happens to be pure irony. I mean, I don't think it can be. I think they had to have chosen it for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think you're totally spot on. I just don't know where they're going with it because it seems to be the complete antithesis of mm -hmm. what the the original Cassandra stood for Yeah, or, or was cursed with. So, um, Wikipedia, super shout out. Like, it's flavored all throughout this Yeah, this our, our main character, <laughs> our main character uses Wikipedia as her prime source of information. And I love it. And, like, Cassandra totally throws her out um, or, or, or totally says, oh, yeah, miss first time in a search engine. Mm -hmm. You know more than I do. And I just, I thought that was really funny. I giggled a yeah. lot during that section. And we laughed a lot the first few times that we've recorded this session since this is like our third or fourth time well, recording it. <laughs> and as a teacher teaching students to do like academic searches and gain a Cassandra level of knowledge about the things that I teach them, I want them to be like, yeah, I specialize in that. They still go to Wikipedia all the time. I mean, I do as I, an adult. <laughs> I was totally just referencing Cassandra's Wikipedia a moment ago. Yeah, I mean, I have the Wicked and Divine Wikipedia pulled up right now. Right like, now. Talking about all the different characters. And not in a... Just because, A, it's very easy to access. Mm -hmm. And, B, I throw money at them occasionally. It's if laid out really $5, well, too. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. They do a lot of really good work. And, yeah, is it 100%... No. But it's gotten way better since 1990-whatever when they started. Oh, <laughs> oh, if you can remember the days of, like, the very beginning of Wikipedia, please leave a comment on our Facebooks or Instagrams or Twitters or 
wherever you hear us, like, like, let's talk. It's been a while. We're a little rusty. Um, I think we need you to talk. Uh, uh, you all need to read this so we can talk about it more. Because mm-hmm. I would like to pick up the next volume. Yeah. And I want to read it and talk about it. Whether we do it here or together or what, I think it'll be fun. This is a really good series because it's completed. So this is a great series for you all to pick up and read a few different volumes. You don't have to get them in single issues. You can get them in the trade. And there's a fabulous cliffhanger at the end. So it ends, the whole thing ends on a cliffhanger? No, 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 like at this, at the end of this. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Uh, Fantastic cliffhanger. I don't even want to go into it because I didn't want to, but We're not going to spoil anything for you all. Laura is going through some things. Going through some things. That's for dang true. All right, so um, our business shout out this week is something that's a little near and dear to my own personal heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Crafts and Coffee, and Crafts and Coffee is a collect uh, well is a is a an event planner that puts on arts and craft shows. Mm-hmm. Like that's what she primarily does. She's at the Lone Dow House. On Which Middlebrook. is a historic home here in Knoxville. It is, and it was just recently opened up to the public. I think it's like 150 or 200 mm-hmm. years old. And they've restored it beautifully. It is gorgeous. Um, like, during the normally during the work week, a couple of different, um, maybe an investment guy and some other dude, they rent them out as offices, but it's an event space on weekends. Mm-hmm. You can get married there. Yeah. So the first Saturday of every month is uh, Crafts and Coffee which is a arts and crafts event. And me, Whitney, shows there a lot as an artist. And um, Erin Vaden runs it, and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. You have been in attendance a handful of times yeah. for different events Yeah, throughout I've the visited year. your booth there, and uh, my sister sometimes runs a booth there. Yeah. So. Um, masterpieces? Masterpieces, She's yes. so amazing. And it's... Instead of masterpieces, it's mess because it's messy art and it's amazing mm-hmm. and beautiful and I really you love have her stuff. You another vendor friend that's there quite often, Bosch. Oh, Bosch Gypsy. Gypsy. That's Erin Vaden. She she oh, runs it, okay, so cool. she's amazing. Um, really, to be completely honest, everyone that I've shown with there has been lovely. There's Art was there last truck weekend. That's also really exciting. Well, so there's always a food truck on the Saturday, the first Saturday of every month. And then they are starting to do food truck Friday the first Friday of every month. Oh, that's exciting. Um, and sometimes there's vendors, sometimes there's not. But it's just cool because you should just go by there on the weekends because there's a chance there's going to be a food truck. <laughs> mm, food trucks are the best. Definitely the first two Saturdays because the second Saturday is a fine arts thing. Okay. But we're going to put some details in our show notes mm-hmm. so that you all can find them. They're on Facebook and Instagram. And Yeah pretty awesome it's free it's um always some really great talent support local artists we definitely want you all there so is it time to and uh, yeah it's time let's do that um i need to find a die it's right here we are not going to roll a D and D random 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 d20 we're gonna roll my acoria <laughs> magic counter die and it's you all can random. suck it it's randomish. I mean, what it lands on is random, even if the numbers aren't random across the surface. I'm gonna let you roll. I know this right. was your pick, but like, I think you should roll. Yeah, you do. A sixteen. 
All right, let me go to the top of our notes while I look that up and you can I will continue. roll for a beverage. Ooh, yeah. While you check the notes. I rolled a four for beverage. Oh, we need to update my beverage list. I can have alcohol again, y'all. Girl, that's very exciting. Yeah. All right, so 16. <laughs> it's a local comic book. Oh, sweet. We happen to know a local comic book guy. That sounds really cheesy. It sounds like we really just planted that and we did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be completely honest, that roll was fake. <laughs> but we needed to roll it. We really, 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 really want to do Cult of Dracula 2, issue 2. Mm-hmm. You all have expressed, we've had a couple people say yay, they wanted to hear it on Facebook. I had somebody send me a message on um, Instagram saying, yes, please do this book, because it's a fun book, and everyone is waiting on... Issue 2 comes out, I think, this week or next week? Very soon. Very soon. I know it's this month. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We have early copies, because we're cool like that, and we worked really hard to, like, bother the creator to death. You get a (laughs) shout-out in that copy, don't you? Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I have a special autograph copy because I did it. Yay. <laughs> um, it's very exciting. We're very thrilled. And we are also going to have the creator on our show either the same episode or another episode to mm-hmm. talk about, like, a little bit of behind the scenes, how to create a comic book. And if you haven't read Cult of Dracula 1, it's currently sold out nationwide. So, you're welcome to reach out to Nirvana Comics Knoxville. They have secret stash copies. They do have secret stash copies. Also, Comixology. Mm-hmm. That I have, I have Cult of Dracula, Issue 1, Five Ways. Oh, wow. Um, did you get a lot of variant covers? I did. I got they are three gorgeous. different variant covers. I got a digital copy, and then I have the original... The original the original original. Mm-hmm. So, like, they've switched Yeah, they publishers. switched publishers. Um, so, yeah. So, they had to redo issue mm-hmm. one. Reissue that. And then they're going to put up the issue yeah. two this week. So but you can excited. also listen to our podcast on it and get a pretty solid rundown of what happens in issue one. For sure. And I'm just really excited to do issue two. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just like this comic a lot. It, it hits every single one of my... Issue one left me walking away with more questions than answers for what this story is about. I know what it's about because we've talked to Rich Davis, but um, I really want to see like how much more we get in issue two. Well, and you're not a Dracula person, so you like you are literally coming into this blank. Like you are a clean slate. (laughs) Who gets to? We get to fill in all this shit. By the way, Dracula's on Audible for free. I have an Audible now. I'm just saying. I'm going to get it. Thank you. So, and maybe, because we have, you have like 10 months left. Or yes. maybe nine months left. You have a whole baby. Oh, yeah. You're used to nine months baby things. Oh, yeah. You got nine months to read Dracula. Okay. Because <laughs> remember our bet? Yeah. It was on the air. Yeah. You can't go back. Uh, no. I have witnesses. <laughs> They're all the way over in, um, what country? Philippines. The oh, Philippines. Yeah. We do have a lot of listeners there. <laughs> Shout out to y'all. Yeah, for sure. Every time I think I'm just going to say, hi, Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we've picked our thing. Oh, you have to roll in 10. I don't know what my four is. What is a four? Oh, you rolled four. I rolled low. I'm That's... probably drinking like pickle juice or something. Uh, that's not good. Oh, it's even worse. It's tea. Oh, it's tea. You have to have tea. I will suffer through the tea. <laughs> Mine's vodka my way. 
Ooh. Vodka your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't say what kind of tea I have to drink. I can pick a nice tea. I'll get like There's a nice herbal. There's all kinds of tea. Yeah. There's all kinds of tea. And you're in the South. You could do some sweet tea. Oh, that's the worst kind. <laughs> I'll get a nice hot tea. <laughs> all right, y'all. So um, let me find my, my little spill that I say because I don't want to mess that up. So um, looks like we're going to be reading. Cult of Dracula. Cult of Dracula. Issue two. Issue two. For the next time. <laughs> so exciting. We had another fun one-off here today at Adventure Seed Podcast. Be sure to follow us uh, and our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and wherever you get podcasts. May the dice always be in your favor. And roll, roll well. well.